A Different Kind of Hope is the title of today's message. We're beginning a new series on the promise of Christmas. And I wonder, maybe I'm the only one, surely not, but who knows what it's like to want something at Christmas time. When I was a kid, uh, I remember wanting a VCR. Now, for those of you that don't know what a VCR is, all right, a, that stands for video cassette recorder, and you could take a, uh, a video cassette about the size of this box of Kleenex, okay, and that's not really much of an exaggeration. That's pretty close, and you 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 put that in that uh, that recorder, and you could actually. Uh, you could actually record stuff off the TV. That was just amazing. Now I know growing up in the in the digital age, in which you are, you know, you've got a flash drive built into your receiver for your satellite dish or your your cable box, and you're able to pause live TV while you get up and go to the kitchen or the bathroom, and you're able to if you didn't hear something, you're able to rewind it. Uh, this concept of putting. Uh, you know, something the size of a Kleenex box into a machine and recording live TV. Or you could go to the video store, right? And you could rent movies and you could come home. And uh, for those of us that live too far off the road to get cable and uh, Dad didn't want to put uh, a, a a uh, satellite dish, because back then they weren't just a couple of feet. Some of you all are old enough, like me, to remember when a satellite dish uh, was about as you know taller than that pulpit right there. And uh, he didn't want to stick some monstrosity in his front yard. And so, and so, Dad was just—he was a practical guy now. But uh, as much as I wanted that VCR. It was one of the hottest gifts going that Christmas. And I remember we loaded up the car, we went down to Georgia. And that's where we were celebrating Christmas that year with some of our, our relatives down in northwest Georgia. And I thought to myself, man, I never saw a present the size of a VCR. But it's got to be in that trunk somewhere. You know, that's like a 21 cubic foot trunk. I mean, you could, you could put four bodies in that trunk for crying out loud. So there, there's plenty of room for that VCR. You know, mom or dad stuck it in the back of that trunk and, and stuck some luggage or something in front of it. It's good to go. It's there. And then Christmas morning comes. And I had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And no VCR. And so... I said to Dad, Christmas Day, celebrating the gift of the Savior. I said, where's my VCR? (laughs) Now, if only Dad had thought it was that funny. Yeah. Dad said, well, son, he said, sometimes you don't get everything you ask for. And he's right. It It was a valuable lesson learned. And I look back now, church, because, you know, they were expensive that first year. And so he waited a while and then got me one later when the price had dropped like $100 or something. I got my VCR. I wasn't a deprived and neglected child. But what a shame. What an absolute shame, church, that Christmas to me 
was about something that I wanted. God had already given humanity its greatest gift. And in my spiritual immaturity, I was a child of God at that point and had been for a few years. But my faith had not yet matured. And in my spiritual immaturity, Christmas to me was about when am I going to get what I want. Now, I tell that story just as an example of saying that's exactly what Christmas is not about. Isn't it, church? Christmas is about much more than that. Christmas is about promises kept. And if we look at Romans 15.4, we read that for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And I love what Paul is doing here. This is toward the end of his letter to the folks in Rome. But he's saying, everything that was written in the past has a purpose. It was written, he's talking about scripture of course, that it has a purpose. And of course, the scriptures that Paul had a hand in writing have a purpose. And so they were all written, why church? To teach us that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. Now, uh, Christmas is about waiting. That's something that we have to recognize, that there is something about this season because we've already kicked it off, as I mentioned last week, uh, even prior to Thanksgiving, I had noticed how many, uh, how many uh, homes in our local town have already put up their Christmas lights. They already have up Christmas decorations. You can look in the windows as you drive by the houses, and you can see you can see their trees. So, uh, and especially think about children right now. They understand the waiting of Christmas, don't they? Uh, if you tell them that Christmas is about waiting, their their you know their reaction is well yeah, because because they are excited about Christmas about what is going to to come their way, and at their age, who can blame them? It's sort of an enchanted, almost you might say a magical time for them, and it should be for us as well. And more on that. A little bit later. But Christmas is about waiting. It's about reflecting on a time when a portion of humanity was waiting on a Savior. Waiting on the long-promised Messiah. And so this time of the year needs to remind us that our God keeps His promises. Now... Looking at Romans chapter 5, 
beginning with verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so Paul, in this, uh, this section of, of the letter to Rome, is explaining about hope. He's explaining about what happens uh, that we... Uh, that we now have uh, a, a way of, of arriving at hope. And this hope comes uh, often through sufferings. Because it is suffering that makes us long for something that we don't have here. It's when we suffer loss, church, that that's when we say, Wow, I want something better than what this world offers, right? I want something better. And that better, that that desire for something better is what produces hope, Paul is saying here. Now, the term hope, I know, can be a bit troubling. Because after all, we are... We're a people who sometimes sing about standing on God's promises. Psalm 39, verses 7 and 8 and also verse 12, the psalmist says, But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions. That's a fancy word for sin. Save me, God, from all the times I've messed up, from all the times I made lousy choices. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. Boy, there's just that's classic lament right there. God, please hear me. I'm crying out to you. Please hear me, God. And so then we have this. These beautiful verses in Romans 8, what for a lot of Christians is one of their favorite chapters in all of, all of the Bible. But Romans 8, 24 and 25 says, We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Now, the problem that some Christians have with the word hope is, they say, why is all this talk about hope? Because in the way that hope is used now, it's about desire. I desire for something to happen. I am hoping for it. One can only hope. But the biblical hope is not about desire. It is about waiting for something with expectation. Hope, church, in the Bible, 
is another word for promise. And I want us to retrain our brains that when we read about hope in Scripture, that this isn't about desire. This is about a promise, a promise that we can stand on. Now, sometimes things on this side of glory don't pan out like we think they should. Sometimes things show us a certain amount of promise and they just don't live up to it. Case in point, sometime before last winter, I realized that my wife or my son, neither one had an ice scraper in their vehicle. And so I thought, well, i got to remedy that. I can't let them run around all winter without ice scrapers. So I hop in the car and I go down to one of the stores, uh, the auto parts stores, knowing that not only would they have ice scrapers, but man, they would have a selection of ice scrapers. I mean, sometimes you can catch them in the checkout aisle at your local Walmart or someplace like that. But no, I wanted to go and I walk in the door and I said, hey, I said, where do you have ice scrapers? And he says, you know, we got to, if you'll just go back one aisle and down there about 10 feet, we got a rack there that's got them right there in the middle of the aisle. So sure enough, there's a rack about this tall and it's round and it's got all kinds of ice scrapers hanging off of it. So, now, here is a garden variety ice scraper. Now, this is your 79 cent piece of molded plastic. And in case you don't know what it is, it says right there on their icebreaker. All right, icebreaker, right here. And uh, you look at that, and of course, that, that's what I, I grabbed a few of those. They're like 79 cents a piece. And, uh, you know, made in Wichita, Kansas. Woohoo! And then, and then I fixed my gaze on this church. Yeah. If you want to say ooh and ah, you can, you know. Uh, yeah. Now, boy, that's an ice scraper right there, isn't it? I mean, that is, that is like, you know, if this is a Chevy, this is a Cadillac, you know, Toyota, Lexus, you get the idea. I mean, you know, and then right on here it says 11-inch Polar Vortex ice scraper. And uh, innovative flex blade conforms to your windshield for full scraping width. And then this too was made in Kansas. The state of Kansas must have the market cornered on ice scrapers. Uh, made in the USA. So I'm like, man, i got to get me one of those because it's got this padded grip on there, man. That thing can handle some ice on your windshield right there. And I don't know what this fancy blade in the back, you turn this thing around, and I don't know exactly what that's for. But man, it just it, it's just awe-inspiring and confidence-building right here in this fancy-schmancy uh, ice scraper. And the first winter that I used uh, said Polar Vortex ice scraper, man, I mean, it was like somebody had a snowblower out there. I mean, you go to scraping and, I mean, the ice is just flying off your windshield. And then something happened, though, because I left this and the 79-cent model in the door of my forerunner for the rest of the year. 
And then this past Tuesday morning, leaving the house at 6.45 a.m., and I noticed, whoo, I should have allowed about five or six minutes to scrape my windshield. I'm pressing it to make to my make it to my appointment. So I, I get in and I start the car and get the heat going, get the, the defrost going, and I reach for the polar vortex, of course. And I go to start working on that thing. Well, something happened to the old polar vortex ice scraper in those summer months when the car would get up to 100 plus degrees. It's a fragile little blade here, inverted, okay? So, uh, instead of getting the whole width uh, of the blade, scraping my windshield, I was getting about a half inch of contact right there in the middle. And I was putting these little half inch streaks across my windshield. And I thought, well, that's worthless. And so I grabbed El Cheapo. And man, El Cheapo made the ice fly. You know, because it too was in that same door pocket in the heat of the summer months. But its blade didn't budge. And that church family, sometimes the stuff with all the bells and whistles is everything it's cracked up to be on this side of glory. And sometimes it's the simple. It's the humble. It's the plain looking stuff that gets the job done. Church family, there are lots of things in our society that we can put our hope in today. There are so many things that vie for our time, that vie for our attention, that vie for our affection. And then we have at our disposal something that is plain, something that is simple, something that you might even say is humble. And church family, we're blowing it if this right here, the Word of God and its promises contained within is not what we're living for. We are absolutely blowing it. Now, it was one of those 7 a.m. Bible studies some time ago. Young man named Josh. Smart looking guy. Always had, always had his glasses on and uh, usually, usually wore a cap. But... Uh, in a, in a morning Bible study, he said to me, sitting right across the table from me, he reached over and he, he put his fingers on my Bible and just kind of tapped it. And he said, is every promise in here real? And I looked at him and I nodded and I said, every single one of them. And then he nodded back at me and said, let me tell you, that's powerful. Isn't he right, church? A young man thirsty for the promises within. A young man who knows what it's like, as we all do, to have promises told to us that were not kept. 
A young man who knows, as probably all of us do, knows what it's like to make promises and assurances to people that we ultimately could not keep. But that there is something in our life in which every promise comes to fruition. We're going to talk more about those specific promises, those prophecies next week when we come together. But church family, right here we have at our disposal promises made and promises kept. And it is God and God alone who can keep every single promise that He ever makes. In Titus 2 verse 13 it says, We wait for the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The promise of the glorious appearing. That's a promise, church. That just as He came, He will come back. In Proverbs 23, verse 18, it says, There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. That we are not, church family, cut off from the promises of God. That is a promise. And finally... A verse that many of us know well, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. A promise to give us a future. A future dwelling with God Himself. That church family is a promise. Church, what we need to be at about this time of year is people who take the next four or so weeks to think about the promises of God. To think about all the promises made and all the promises kept. And let that give us every ounce of confidence that we need To let our light shine before others. That this isn't something we desire simply. That hope in biblical terms is a promise. That it is something we wait for. But not simply wait for with a desire that it comes to fruition. But with an expectation with a confidence that it will come to fruition. Promises made by God are promises kept. And that's part of the promise of Christmas. Maybe you're here this morning and you've not yet taken hold of some of these promises. Because you are not yet one of God's children. Well, we give you the opportunity to change that this morning. We give you the opportunity to enter the waters of baptism and come out a new creation. And so we offer the invitation for that reason. And we also offer an invitation so that if you need prayer in your life right now, a faithful body of believers gathered here this morning will be 
happy to pray with you about whatever that need, whatever that concern, whatever that weight is that you are dealing with. Hayden, let's stand and sing.